Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery, and with me, as always, my good friend. Uh, he's known as Mr. Wednesday Night Live on the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. He is known as Stephen Alo on the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. Uh, Aaron Lloyd, welcome there we back. Go. It's amazing. Perfect timing because Stephen A's watching me now. Yeah, he, I, I'm sure he will be. <laughs> he he may be stealing your opinions yes. <laughs> for whatever he does this weekend. Yeah, when we do, <laughs> if we ever do football, which I know we won't, maybe he'll learn something. Yeah, I mean, I, football could be done. It won't be me doing it because I don't watch it enough. But. Yeah, I know. That's why I said I doubt it. <laughs> but we are now roughly 70% of the way through the regular season. So the first half is way more than half of the season. We know a lot about these teams we know a lot about the playoff races now but we just had the trade deadline last week a lot of activity in the days leading up to the deadline so the first thing I'll ask you is what did the trade deadline change in the NBA or did anything really change in the landscape of the NBA well one of the main things I think that it could that could change. It's not going to happen right now, but it'll happen next season. Is a uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis going to Dallas? Because once I saw that, I just thought about a better version of Steve Nash and um, Dirk Nowitzki all over again from the early two thousands. So that was my big thing. Um, the Sixers, you know, a lot of people keep saying that this gets them over the top, but I still kind of find them like muddled in that same spot I had as, as, as still a, a top four team. You could flip it any other way, and it still has to go to a seven game series. The biggest deal, I think, was probably the um, something un- under the radar. But I know a lot of big, big, a lot of the big analysts probably talking about is Miritich going to Milwaukee because that kind of shows that they're going all in with this because they're adding another person that's actually a shooter, is a playmaker, and he's very he's very, very versatile in his game. So that gives Giannis Antetokounmpo. See, I got it right there. I got it. <laughs> That gives him another person to actually throw the ball to and actually rely on the scoring because in a seven-game series, the problem with Milwaukee has been is can Giannis, like when the game slows down, they just clog the paint. And Giannis not being a shooter, it makes it harder for him to score. He has to rely on his teammates with bringing in Meritage because he can stretch the floor and do all those other things. That helps that team as well. So I think the Meritage deal is the biggest deal to me. So like that was going to be my next question was, well, actually, before I get to, to what the next question is, do you look at now the Bucks? Like, do you think they have any chance to win a title this year, or do you think they're just the favorites in the East? Because when it comes to the East, I can off like the top four, like um, between Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, Indiana. They'll be a tough out, but since the injury to Old Depot, I can't really take them seriously in a seven-game series. I can see any of those teams representing the East in the finals. I can. But the fact that Giannis has been – we'll get, probably get to the MVP stuff later. But speaking that Giannis has been the most consistent player all season long and his team hasn't fe- fallen down and they continue to add pieces like Meritage and the system that Budaholzer has installed and in, in, like, even a small acquisition of Brooke Lopez from the Lakers in the offseason and the way they, the, way they, the way they use Malcolm Brogdon and stuff like that, and Chris Milton being an all-star, I have no doubt that Milwaukee will be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals, especially being the number one seed. So basically, all, like, all this happens. You know, Milwaukee makes the trade for Miritich. Uh, Toronto trades for 
Marc Gasol. The Sixers make their big moves. Boston really didn't do anything. Um, you don't really think anyone separated themselves. You look at it like it's still these teams are all jumbled up, and it could be anybody's could be anybody's conference to win. Yeah, because because Milwaukee already being the being the number one had the number one seed. They add Meritage, so I kind of. I, and, and at this point, they're 40 and 13, so you have to assume they're going to finish with one of the top record, top three records of the league between them, Golden State, and Toronto. So they're going to stay within those three. You look, you're looking at uh, Philadelphia when they added Tobias Harris, and, it, it, and they also added to their bench and got rid of Markel Fault. So they have the depth in the bench now with Jonathan Simmons, Mike Scott, and um, Boban Marjanovic, close enough. Now you got <laughs> so they, it. Okay, so they added, they added plenty of depth right there, so they actually have a bench to go towards now. In Boston, they went to the they went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year with without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, so you can consider those guys acquisitions. But we may get to that later about the whole Kyrie thing. But um, yeah, like those teams, like they kind of they 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 made acquisitions except for Boston. They made acquisitions to kind of keep their spots and where they are. Because I can see any of those four teams going out the East. So, so the next thing I was going to ask was which, which move was most impactful, which I believe you, are, you already answered with, with Milwaukee. For me, I think uh, the most impactful move that happened to me was the Sixers-Clippers trade. And not just because I'm not sitting here like, oh, the Sixers are, are going to win a championship with Tobias Harris. I think... That move helped the Sixers by basically giving them – it gave them another top like scoring option. It gave them an elite shooter to put around Ben Simmons. It made their top-end talent like – pretty much their starting five is the best in the league outside of Golden State, I would say. Um, and I think it gives them – I think maybe – and I don't know if a lot of people are talking about this. I think it gave them – an opportunity to have some insurance with Jimmy Butler. Like, I think there's a chance that they may be already decided we don't want to pay this guy five years, $190 million. Like, he has not been healthy his whole career. He's played a ton of minutes for Tom Thibodeau the last six or seven years. Do we really want to be locked up to this guy until he's 34 with this much money? So I think if they don't re-sign Jimmy Butler... I think now they have their number three guy in Tobias Harris. So I think there's that. They did add to their depth. But I think what makes it most impactful is it helped the Sixers. But I think this move was huge for the Clippers. Oh, yeah, it is. And I think it's impactful in in this changes the landscape of the upcoming offseason. Like, everybody has talked about the the salary cap space the Lakers were going to have. And... You know, there were there may be a couple other teams in there that were going to have cap space. I think the Sixers were one of them. The last the last year they were going to have cap space, although most people thought they'd use it on Butler. The Clippers now one they got Landry Shamit, who to me was like a, a hidden gem in this. He draft. was, yeah, because he came out. He he started playing real well, like an elite three point shooter. Like if you if you look at his his shooting numbers, he's he's like right up there with like almost Steph Curry in his rookie year shooting numbers. Um, he can handle the ball a little bit. He was a point guard in college, so he has some on-ball abilities, but a lot of ability to kind of destroy a defense in the way J.J. Redick did. 
So that was a huge pickup for them, a nice like low-key pickup for them, and a young guy that's going to be cheap for the next few years who's already productive. I think the draft capital that they got from the Sixers is a big deal, and now they have so much salary cap space. So they're in a huge market. They have a ton of money to spend, and I think that just adds to the intrigue this summer of like, maybe this is another destination for Kawhi. Maybe this is another destination for KD, like any big free agent this summer. L.A. could be a destination for them. And I do think that the the Knicks trade, while most people roasted the Knicks for making this deal, and I do feel a little bit like they sold themselves short by not making this deal available to everyone. They just kind of took the first deal that was offered. Yeah, that, yeah, that was quick. But they, I got the alert that said it. He wants out, and then five minutes later, he gets traded. I'm like, yeah, to Dallas. Oh. So you didn't talk to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think they got more in this deal than people are giving them credit for. They now have cap space as well. They did. They're also the biggest however, market. However, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. a lot of things they got were things that they should have done in the first place. Oh, yeah. This deal. <laughs> yeah, it's so basically – it's like they had mistakes made for however many years, and this is like starting to clean them up. So they get two first-round picks from Dallas. The one in 2021, I believe, is unprotected. And then the one in 2023 is top 10 protected, which I don't expect it to be in the top 10 anyway, with Doncic being at that point in his fourth or fifth year, and hopefully Porzingis has been healthy, and they've built around those two. So I think like those two deals have made a big impact for what's what what the shape of the the future of the league is going to be. Uh, I don't think this deal made the Sixers a championship contender this year, and I don't necessarily know that it made them favorites in the Eastern Conference. But I think their top end talent is better than anyone else in the East, and I think. As rotations get shorter and benches get shorter in the playoffs, their top-end talent may have more of an opportunity to to rise in the East. I I agree with you. I think any one of these teams could win it. Uh, I'm not as sold on Milwaukee as most people just because I think Giannis not being able to shoot gets overlooked. Now, it's because he's great at everything else, but I do think that's something that could hold them back in the playoffs if a team figures out how to defend them. And I don't know. Their their second best player is like, like, who is it? Is their second best player Chris Middleton? Because is that a good enough Robin to be <laughs> in the finals? Like, I don't know. Now, again, I may be proven wrong when this plays out. Maybe Giannis is that good. But I don't think that they – I almost feel like they, they're similar to the way the Hawks were when they had the – I don't know if you remember this the one year where like their whole yeah. starting five, one player of the month. and Yeah, yeah, because their record was all predicated off of that. It was a 20-game winning streak. Yeah, they won, they won 60 games, but like they weren't that talented. No. Now, granted, and the whole Giannis, starting, Didn't the whole starting five make the all-star team too? I, it, was, it, four it, wasn't all, it wasn't all five. It was four. I think Damari Carroll was the only one that didn't make it. Yeah, so now I do think Giannis is much better than anyone that was on that Hawks team, but I think they they get by on being a sum-of-all-parts team. And I don't know if they are 
a team that's going to to win the conference. And Boston, obviously, because they have the Sixers number, I like. I think even though they didn't make a move, I think that team is deep enough and versatile enough to still get to the final. So I think it's like anybody's game in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I do think this trade deadline was like more consequential than maybe any in the last few years. And some of that mm-hmm. is because these East teams don't have LeBron in their way. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we might as well go for it because we could get there this year. Yeah. Like the Eastern Conference teams really went after it. And I, we'll get to this later, but I, I could not be more happy that Markel Fultz is not here. <laughs> that made the trade deadline for me this year. Like, um, I, I text my brother right out there happy. He was so <laughs> excited. Yeah. Uh, so, like, one moving – oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, one more thing about mm-hmm. Milwaukee. And now, them being the number one seed, they, that's, that's, I think that's the spot that they, they should want. But that whole 4-5 thing, because right now with the Sixers – and the Celtics are four and five. Now, see, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what should be. I think Milwaukee have more success against the Sixers than they would the Celtics in a seven game series. Yeah, I, I honestly think both of those teams would beat Milwaukee in a series. And I think the Celtics would, but the Sixers. I think that's a better matchup. I would. I would. I would give Milwaukee a tougher out. Like if whoever won that series, it's a coin flip. But I think the, the Celtics will clearly beat Milwaukee in a seven game series. Yeah, I just think the Sixers are more talented, and I think that they, I think with Embiid, with Simmons, with Butler, I think they have the bodies to to defend Giannis better than than most teams do, and I don't think they have anybody that can stop Embiid on the other end of the floor in a seven-game series. But, you know, I'm still feeling a little bit shaky towards the Sixers myself. So, like, obviously I would not guarantee them to beat Milwaukee. Um, And then another thing with the the Sixers, which makes them a little bit more dangerous this year, is because when they added Tobias Harris, now – Ben Simmons doesn't have to be the primary guy or like he doesn't really have to look for a shot anymore because you can also let Tobias Harris be on the floor at the same time with Jimmy Butler, who's also another who's also another scorer. So Ben Simmons, he can hide all he wants now and just be out there for defense in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and, and in the whining moment because he doesn't have to typically he doesn't have to handle the ball or be in control of the offense anymore because of Jimmy Butler and more recently Tobias Harris. Yeah, when the game slows down. They have other options to create than Ben, where as Ben is an unbelievable creator in transition and in the open floor, he obviously struggled in a half-court game against the Celtics. I think now when the game slows down in the playoffs, you have other guys that can take on some playmaking and creation duties, which I do, I do think makes them way more dangerous than they were last year. Yeah, and then um, another thing about the Knicks is they're, they're talking about them on ESPN right now. Frank Nitokina, Frank Nitokina, go to hell. <laughs> because that, like when I said, that the Knicks, there were things in that trade that they should have done, that they didn't do, but but they should have done, that they kind of rectified. One thing was drafting Frank Nitokina over Dennis Swift Jr., which Phil Jackson did. I was going to say that was Phil, right? <laughs> yeah, which Phil Jackson did, which he shouldn't have done, which he shouldn't have done at all. And then like they got out the Tim Hardaway contract. Which, which which was a high contract, but at the same time, I can't really blame them because that's how the NBA is now. Average players get overpaid all, all the time now. But I think Tim Hardaway will succeed way more in Dallas because 
he was he was miscast as the best as the best or second best player on the team in Dallas. He'll be at least the third or fourth best player. So I think he'll be great in Dallas. But Frank Nielsen go to hell. Yeah, I, I think that could be a guy that ends up with the Sixers as Ben's backup. Who? Frank. Really? I think he's a guy that would be attractive to the Sixers. One, I think his stock is pretty low at this point. And I think he does two things that they need. So, like, his weaknesses and his flaws, I think, would be covered up here a little bit. I think he's he's got the potential to be a guy who can hit threes and a guy who can defend. And he's, a, like, a big body as a point guard. So I think, yeah, I think the Sixers could be a possible destination for him uh, at some point in the near future. Um, but yeah, like, so transitioning away from, from the trade deadline a little bit, we've obviously seen a lot of the season play out. What have been some of the biggest, oh, the last thing I wanted to say, the I would prefer the Sixers to end up in the four spot because I do think Indiana ends up five, and without Oladipo, if I'm the Sixers, I wouldn't mind that four or five matchup. I still, it, think that'll be, I still think that'll be tough. <laughs> I, that's, not, that's not a give me either. I just think without Oladipo, like that's still a good team, but I don't know that that's a team built to succeed in the playoffs. And I think it keeps the Sixers away from Boston a little longer. The only team I think that the Sixers cannot and will not beat in the playoffs is the Boston Celtics. <laughs> so if they can find a way to avoid Boston – I think that is in their best interest. So I'd like to see them finish fourth. Yeah, um, but that I, I would take. I, I would pick the Sixers to win the series against Indiana, but that would be six games. Yeah, they're not going to sweep them, but I, I do think the Sixers are the considerable favorite. And like I said, it, it helps them avoid Boston as long as possible, and it may keep <laughs> them from ever having to face Boston. Um, but but what are what are some of the biggest surprises of this season so far? Um, well, the consistency of, of the Milwaukee Bucks, that's, that's a given because I said in one of our early, I think it was a Christmas ep- Christmas edition episode that <clears throat> they, they usually start off pretty decent and then they usually tail off and that's why they usually end up around that um, that sixth seed, around 45 to 40 victories per season. But they've been consistent all season long. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, the rise of them, the Brooklyn Nets, um the star, which is Luka Doncic, I, I did not expect that because this guy is <laughs> taking the league by storm. I, I love him. Uh, the the Mago of the Los Angeles Lakers, but <laughs> I'll get to that later. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's about it because the Kings have been a surprise. De'Aaron Fox and D'Angelo Russell are two of my picks for most improved player of the year. And of course, Oklahoma City Thunder because of I think Russell Westbrook's acceptance of okay, Paul. Me and Katie didn't work because I was doing this. So I'm going to back off a little bit, and you do you. So Paul George has been seen as the guy now, and he's averaging career highs across the board in every statistical category. And I think with points, it's like he's up six points or seven points from his uh, previous career high. So the acceptance of Russell Westbrook taking that backseat role. You could say it's a backseat role, but Russell Westbrook, he's doing, he, he's still just grabbing the points. He's grabbing, he's grabbing his, the rebounds and he says his, his shooting is terrible, but he was never a great field shooter anyway to begin with. But the, the OKC Thunder and the consistency they've shown and Paul George playing at an MVP level. Cause Paul George, my, if I had to pick MVP candidates, I would say Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
See, there you go. See, I'm, I'm keep, I, keep, I keep getting it. Paul George, will be, Paul George will be my second, and James Harden will be my third. Um, yeah, I don't think I have too much that's different from you. Like, Luca, I think I even predicted on our first show that he'd be rookie of the year. But I did not think this guy was, like, a potential star player. Mm-hmm. I thought his ceiling was, like, he'll be pretty good. He might make an all-star team or two, but I didn't think he was athletic enough to be a star player. And I'm not ready to say I definitively was wrong, but it definitely looks like it's heading in that direction, that I'm not going to be <laughs> right about Luka Doncic. Because uh, he doesn't look like just a rookie of the year. He looks like he's probably already one of the top 25 players in the league. Yeah. At 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I'm i sure we'll get to this, but I was, I took it personally, he wasn't an all-star this year. Well, I was a little disappointed because that was like my, my shocking prediction on our last Yeah, I, I, I know, and the thing was, like, he, I think he was second behind LeBron in the voting yeah. to, for starters, so I, I don't know if something happened last minute where somebody overtook him or something, but I was shocked. I was like, really? Yeah, I don't know either, but I was a little disappointed that my, my prediction didn't come true. Um, now I do think there's a chance this kid has played professionally in Europe for a few years already. Like there is maybe a chance that we're already seeing, like he, he may not have as, as far to improve over the next three or four years as most guys his age because of the experience he has. That may sound stupid, but like he may not have that, like his peak may not be that far off, but Mm -hmm. he's already better than, than what I predicted him to be anyway so yeah and then on top of that he's leading that team i, th- I believe dallas is 27 and 30 and they're only the big i believe two and a half spots <clears throat> out of the eighth seed right now and only a half game behind the lakers for 10th oh yeah they yeah it, he's been like i said significantly better than i ever expected um the kings i think i thought they were going to be for sure the worst team in the league this year really and i did or, or one of them and the fact that they are hanging in there in the playoff race, De'Aaron Fox, I always thought was too flawed of a player. Like people talked about Ben Simmons is shooting. And if that was like, a lot of people think that's a fatal flaw for him. And he's, you know, 6'10". He is like a game-changing talent. And I'm, I look at De'Aaron Fox and I'm like, okay, if he has the same shooting issues, and he's a lot smaller. He's not as game-changing of a player. I don't know like what he is in the league, but he's his shooting has improved, and he has become like legitimately an impactful NBA player for that team. And like a guy who I think is probably going to be in an All-Star game in the future himself. Um, and the other surprise this is on like a lower level, but I think this guy has flown under the radar a lot. Mitchell Robinson to me looks like a guy who's going to be a real NBA player. Yeah, uh, yeah. You talking about the guy that was in uh, the Knicks uh, season ticket renewal plan? Yeah, with, with Kevin Durant. <laughs> yes, Mitchell Robinson looks to me like he's exactly what you need a in this version of the NBA. What you need a big man to be: super athletic, rim protector, like elite shot blocker already. Uh, great lob catcher and great running to the rim on a pick and roll. I think he has an opportunity to be like a real piece for them. I'm not saying he's going to be 
like their superstar. But I think like he may be the first piece they found that's like, all right, this is part of our core. This is part of what our future is going to be. I think he got injured and he sat out with an illness two weeks ago. And since then, he's played maybe six or eight games. And in that time, he's averaging like like 12 points and nine rebounds with like two and a half blocks a game. Yeah. Like I just, 22 I, minutes a game. Yeah, I just checked the box score from the Knicks, the Knicks last time against the Sixers. Uh, he had 14 points, 13 rebounds, four block shots. Two steals. <laughs> yeah. And I believe he was like seven of eight or seven of nine from the field. Five of eight. Five of eight, okay. He's shooting like over 70% <laughs> from the field in, in, in his last five to six games. So I think that was like a, a steal for them. He was like the 35th pick in the draft. And if you can get a guy doing what he's doing at pick 35, uh, that's like a huge piece of building your roster because he's going to be cost-controlled, I assume, for a few years. I don't know what his contract is. But him being as productive as he's been the last couple weeks has been a big surprise to me and I think is very encouraging for the Knicks. The Knicks are kind of where the Sixers were in 2015. (laughs) And I think whenever you could find that one little gem hidden in like all the garbage, I think that's a big deal. And I think Mitchell Robinson is a gem for them hidden in all their garbage. Yeah, and um, Alonzo Trier too. Yes, and that's a guy that – if he was picked at all, he was picked at the end of the draft. I think he was undrafted. I don't think though. I think he was undrafted because I yeah undrafted because I asked you about him last time, one of the early editions and mm-hmm. you said he was undrafted. Yeah, and he's been uh, yeah very productive, especially for for how they ended up acquiring him. Um, do you think we talked a lot about how jumbled up the Eastern Conference is at the top? Do you think the top four in the East, talking about Milwaukee, uh, Toronto, Boston, and the Sixers? Do you think that top four is as good as, like, the top end of the West? Yes. Because to me, you have Golden State, and then there's just, like, everybody else. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Because all four teams in the the top four, that's excluded. Is Indiana four or five? But I'm, I'll put – if, if Indiana's four, then I'll swap them out for the Sixers being four. But no doubt, because I can see any of those teams coming out the East. The West, it's just so – it's so muddled, but – it's, it's Golden State and everybody else, like you said. Like Denver is the second seed right now, but Denver, you could just tell tell you you would tell that they're beatable and they're too young. Maybe, maybe a year, I think they're a year or two away. Yeah, like do do you think there's anyone in the West that is going to even slow down Golden State on their way to the finals? Uh, let's see, let's see what I can think of here. I have literally one team in mind that maybe OKC. Yes, that's, that's what I it. think can not that I think they have a chance to beat them, but I think they have I think they have a tough series with them. Mhm. And OKC is only two games behind Denver, so they might, may, might they might end up as that second seed, but OKC because they have the vet, the veterans, they defend well, and the way Paul George is playing and Russell and Russell Westbrook, I would pick OKC to get to be like their biggest challenge. Yeah, that, that's what I think. Um, but I, I think those top four teams in the East, I think, are all better than Oklahoma City. Uh, uh, it's funny because it's all about matchups to me. So um, I, think Toronto, I think Toronto might be better than OKC. I'm not sure if Milwaukee's better than OKC. <laughs> in a seven, and this is in a seven-game series, not just in one game. But I, 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 could, I see your point. 
I just think, yeah, like Milwaukee would have the best player in that series. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and I think they're way more consistent offensively than OKC. And I just I think they may have too much shooting. I think Toronto, they're deep. Kawhi would also be the best player in that series, mm-hmm. assuming he's healthy by that point in the season. Um, I think the Celtics, like we talked about, I think we both had them in the finals on our first yeah. episode of this, and I think we both said they had they would have a chance to beat Golden State. And I think they've done, obviously they've struggled, but it's a team that I figure will have it together by the playoffs. And the Sixers, I think, is all barring like, do these guys come together and become a cohesive team by the playoffs? But I think you could make a case that the top four in the East are all better than anyone else in the West but Golden State. Yeah. Um, who do you think then, like as as it stands right now, who do you think is Golden State's biggest competition? Like the, the one team most likely to knock them off? or do you In think, the West or in, or in general? West or East. Or do you think nobody has a chance? In a seven-game series, no, I'm not, I'm not picking anybody. Although this, the Warriors versus the Sixers, that would be interesting because of the because of the matchups. Like I think the matchups, they, they fit kind of perfectly. Like you have to get Boogie guarding Joel. Now the only thing would be would be Ben Simmons guarding Steph Curry. Now I've been watching enough enough of the Warriors against the Sixers to know how Ben Simmons does. You could probably speak to that more than more than I can. So Ben, I think Ben is. Maybe the most underrated defensive player in the league. I think people don't realize how good he is. I think he can spend equal time guarding all five positions. Like he could spend 20, 20% of the game guarding a point guard, 20% guarding a shooting guard, 20% guarding a small forward or a wing, 20% guarding a power forward, 20% guarding a center. I think he can he can hold up against any one of those positions. And that's not to say he doesn't have types of players he struggles with, but I think his versatility on defense is like goes unnoticed a lot. I think how hard he plays on defense goes unnoticed a lot. And I think how disruptive he is. Like he gets his hands on so many passes. He picks the the ball out of a ball handler's hands a lot. He has the ability to protect the rim a little bit and block some shots. I think his versatility on defense would be like a huge key in that series. He was great against Golden State when they beat them last week. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in a seven-game series, I do think like, okay, Embiid obviously causes problems for Golden State. They have no one that can match up with him. Like you could say they could put Boogie Cousins on him, but that matchup yeah. never goes well <laughs> for Boogie Cousins. Um, yeah, and another thing is like, in a seven-game series, the Sixers they would have to p- kind of play their game. They can't play Golden State's game, and in the fact um, on, on offense, you can't run. The Sixers with the Sixers with having Ben Simmons, Andrew Allen, B, they have the ability to slow the ball down and not get into a, a fast break game with the Warriors. And then they, with slowing the, the game down, you could just throw it in, into Joel, even though Joel he's not that great with his back to the basket all the time. <clears throat> I think he takes a lot of threes on numerous occasions, but. They have the ability to slow the game down and and not let Golden State play the game. And then on defense, they have the ability to switch off on and off of guys. You know, Ben doesn't have to guard Steph Curry. Jimmy Butler can guard Steph Curry and vice versa. Yeah, I, I think like – so I was just talking to someone about this 
uh, right after the trade. I said, like, I don't think the Sixers are the favorite in the East. They're definitely not the favorite to win the, win the championship. But I do see, like, a sliver of a path for them. And basically, if they get through the East and play Golden State, I think they ultimately would need one of those three guys, whether it's KD, Clay, or, or uh, Steph. I think one of those guys would have to play a subpar series and not shoot the ball well. And they would need Joel Embiid to be dominant. If those two things would happen, I think the Sixers have a chance to beat them. It's an interesting matchup, but I still think Golden State is too good, is too well coached. And I think Steph, I think they're, the Sixers just have too hard of a time finding someone to hide J.J. Redick on defensively. And I think whoever he's matched up with is going to torch them in a final series against Golden State if that were to happen. But, yeah, I think the East, the East, like those last two rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs, are going to be way more interesting than a lot of people would have thought at the start of the year. I think it's going to be a very interesting, a very interesting last two rounds of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um before we get into the All-Star Weekend stuff, obviously I am a huge Sixers fan. You are a huge Lakers fan. Um, I'm curious, as a Lakers fan, how are you feeling about everything right now? I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, very angry. But, like, but the thing is, LeBron missing those 17 games – was huge for the Lakers because after Christmas, I was at an all-time high. Because remember, I predicted the Lakers they would get destroyed in, in Golden State. But LeBron got hurt in third quarter, and they actually pulled away from Golden State. But Golden State returned the favor a few weeks later in L.A. But since Christmas, I believe they're 7-15. And, and the loss to the Atlanta Hawks really hurt me. <laughs> you know, the Sixers game, I didn't expect them to beat the Sixers at all. But like that whole Anthony Davis thing, it kind of like – it kind of destroyed the team. Like I described it as New Orleans being the puppet master and the Lakers being the puppet. Cause I, that whole Anthony Davis, cause I text you a lot during that whole time. Anthony Davis requesting a trade 10 days before the trade deadline and saying I want to go to LA. That was ridiculous. Like, <laughs> like, the, like, like the whole Rich Paul thing. I'm like, you pick now to say this 10 days before the trade deadline. I think I actually get this done. And then the fact the league, most of the league are against the Lakers. The Lakers again, when it comes to, you can make the argument about the whole point of a player telling a team where he wants to go and then and they not do it, which is fine. But the fact that it's the Lakers and even Pop did it last season when it came to Kawhi, he's like, I don't have to trade him to the Lakers, which is completely accurate. And he ended up getting a better deal because he got DeMar DeRozan and Danny Green out of it. And Danny Green out the um, – no, he had DeMar DeRozan out the deal. Danny Green went to Toronto. But he, he got a better player than what the Lakers would end up giving him. And then – I made a joke about this on Facebook, but the Lakers package was essentially almost the whole team and two first round <laughs> picks. Literally the whole team, Brandon, Ing- Brandon Ingram, J- Josh Hart, Lonzo, Cobb, Kuzma, uh, I believe it was Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, even through Rondo in there and first, future first round picks And the Pelicans said no. So basically they were toying one because like, what the hell else do you want? You got the whole team coming towards you. And I made a joke about this on Facebook that a lot of people reacted to because this is what I thought. This is what I personally thought would get the deal done. 
I said the Lakers acquire Anthony Davis and Solomon Hill, and the Pelicans would get Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lance Stevenson, four first, four first round picks. The keys to the stable center: the right to call Wilt Chamberlain a Pelican, one Larry O'Brien Trophy, the right, <laughs> the right to wear the purple and gold, what was left of LeBron's hairline in a dance with Mark Madsen. That, that that that's exactly what they need to get this deal done. Because what the hell else do you want? And I know that they had no intentions on doing it, but the Lakers they were in such a they was in such a position because, and I think Anthony Davis knew this too. They were in such a position to get him. Because Boston, they had they would have had to offer Kyrie to the Pelicans, and Kyrie having that expiring contract, the Pelicans wouldn't want to take that risk. And Anthony Davis saying he would have resigned in Boston also was a risk. So the Lakers, they had this like in their like they, it was like the Lakers game to lose, and they ended up losing. But at the same time, the Pelicans they didn't really act in good faith, and they didn't, the Lakers didn't get the deal done, and then the day and then the day before the trade deadline, they get destroyed by forty two points by the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> it's it's like, and then the, the, the whole the crowd, uh, LeBron's going to trade you, hysterical because that's how it is. It's become like a whole soap opera, and the Lakers are like the highest reality show on television, and it's not because of the players that they brought in with of Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Javale McGee. It's not those guys. It's LeBron because <laughs> he's created this narrative. It's like, okay, I'm trying to get these guys to play to a certain level. So you guys could become better assets, but the only person that's played at the high level that you actually want on your team and have somewhat of a star potential is Kyle Kuzma. Brandon Ingram, I like Brandon Ingram, but when LeBron was gone, his numbers were like consistently, consist, literally consistent. It wasn't like he was he rose his game to another level. Now his his scoring average went up, but his numbers were like almost consistent, like 18, 19, 17, 20. You know, not nothing that elevated. He did have a career high against the Sixers, but in that game, he was the only person they had offensively offensively going in that game. And that, plus, essentially, that game was also a blowout. And funny thing you just funny thing just happened. Breaking news here from Stephen Alo. The, the, the Pelicans just parted ways with Dell Dunst, their GM. <laughs> really? Yes, yeah, so as I'm speaking about this, which is fantastic. But... Yeah, it was the Lakers game to lose, and now you had the Los Angeles Clippers able to come in. Like they have now, they don't. I don't think they have the pieces to trade for Anthony Davis, but they do have those draft, all those extra draft picks. And reportedly, the, the Pelicans wanted four first round picks. The Celtic, I mean, the Clippers, now they have those extra draft picks to throw throw in. But I don't think they have enough players to interest the Pelicans in an Anthony Davis deal because the deal, the thing was L.A. and the Clippers are also an L.A. team. Yeah, so the the Pelicans side of it, I really think teams like that, it is so hard for them to find a guy like Anthony Davis. And if you don't have a guy like that, for the most part, you're irrelevant in the NBA. Um, And the only way to get another guy like that is to have a first guy like that. So I think for them, they're looking at the trade that the Lakers offered, and while there is talent in the trade, they look at it like, None of these guys is a replacement for him. And I think they also didn't want to feel like, well, he he belongs to the Lakers, and it's just like up to us to get him there. Like, yeah. I think they felt like used, and they, to, to them, they're like, we're, we're not doing this unless you really offer us everything. Mm-hmm. I also think the, the most likely player they can get that maybe could be He's not as good as Anthony Davis, but the only guy I think that could be looked at as a future star is probably Jason Tatum that they could get. And yeah. I think they are probably holding out, hoping Boston will give them Jason Tatum and they could build around him. 
Um, but like, like you said, every player on the team, not named LeBron <laughs> James, was implicated in trade rumors. Yeah, and you assume most of these guys are not happy about it. Also, so as a Sixers fan, now as we got close to like the end of the season and into free agency, I was very much on the LeBron to the Sixers train. But my former coworker and my friend Phil, who you've met on a couple occasions, he was always talking about like the process is going to be completed by LeBron James signing here. And I always said like he's not going to come here. Like by the time he's a free agent, the Sixers are not going to be far enough along for him to come here. And then obviously the Sixers had that 16-game winning streak and showed a lot of promise with Ben and Joel in the playoffs. And I thought, you know what, maybe they are good enough for him to come here. My initial feeling all as this was sort of developing was I don't want him because he will overtake everything else. Um, He's going to want to trade guys. He's going to want to, like, he's going to probably make Joel Embiid change the way he plays. Him being as, you know, much of a creator and as dominant as he is on offense is maybe not going to fit with Ben Simmons because Ben can't shoot. I think he's going to make things harder for Brett Brown. I think he's going to make it harder to build a team around him. And then, like, that's always how I felt. Like, the chaos of LeBron is not worth having LeBron. And then when it started to feel like, oh, wait, this might happen, as a process truther, I thought, like, there is no bigger F you to everyone who doubted the process than us being able to say, like, the process worked so well that LeBron James decided he wanted to come here. So I really wanted it, wanted him to come here for bragging rights that you can never <laughs> tell me the process didn't work. As soon as he went to the Lakers and we started seeing Michael Beasley come in and Rondo come in and Lance Stevenson come in, I, as a Sixers fan, I was feeling like, thank God, that is not us. But, but see, this is the thing that those seventeen games he missed hurt because they were rolling. They were fourth in the, they were fourth in the West. Like in the last twenty two games, LeBron missed seventeen of them. If you flip flop. The record, let's say, because they lost to the damn Chicago Bulls <laughs> without LeBron James. And, and they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron James. So let's just say that the, the last 22 games is flipped around to 15 and 7. That, have, that put the Lakers at the four, that put the Lakers at the fourth seed at 35 and 21. So those 17 games really did, really did ended up, ended up hurt, hurting LA. But I didn't have, remember, we talked about this. I didn't have a problem with any of those moves because the difference between what the Lakers were doing was Lakers were doing with Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland. He had a guys that a bunch of shooters that couldn't put the ball on the ground. In LA, they put him with play, they put him with playmakers. Like Rondo's a Rondo's, Rondo's a playmaker. I thought I think he's played very well this season despite all his injuries he's he's had. Michael Beasley's no longer with the team. Uh, Javale McGee's having a career year. So all these pieces they've played well. It's just the fact that everybody's been out. Yeah, I just think it's too much. It's too many guys that are too, like, too crazy is not the right word. But, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. They're all guys who have been, like, a sideshow yeah. in other places. Well, as the internet calls the, like, the main team. Yes, and I feel like with all of the attention of LeBron and, like, as ever-present as LeBron is and, like, the microscope of LeBron, I think it shines a spotlight on that even more. Um, and I do think it leads to like dysfunction within your team when you know LeBron and his agent are 
to some degree running the show and they're not quiet about it and they will stir up some shit. <laughs> like they're not bashful <laughs> about it. And as someone who, and you being an Eagles fan, you're, you're obviously younger than me. So you may not view this through the same lens as me, but as a, a guy who watched the Andy Reed, Donovan McNabb era in Philadelphia, I was there. <laughs> Donovan McNabb was like a star quarterback. He was one of the top five quarterbacks in the league for most of his 10 years in Philadelphia. But he was like a very insecure guy and was very aware of what people said about him and how people felt about him. He was like very self-conscious about it. And I think that played a huge role in him not being as successful here as he should have been. And I think LeBron shares a lot of that quality. I think LeBron does have insecurity issues. I think he is very self-conscious about the narrative about him or the way people view him or the way people look at his legacy. And I think it get, he gets in his own way. And I think, like, because obviously those couple years in Cleveland were, like, always, there was always turmoil there. And he always found a way to get to the finals because he was just too good for anybody in the East to beat. Well, now he has that turmoil in L.A. where he's facing more competition in the West, and he's got younger guys around him that aren't just, like, disposable to the Lakers. Um, I just think this is, like, a very difficult situation, and I think think LeBron at this stage may be just more trouble than he's worth. Yeah, and then to go back to the Eagles thing (laughs) – like we know more now than bef- than what we did at the time because a lot's come up between those two. But when T.O. after the Super Bowl, first of all, like that whole thing of calling him selfish for playing on a broken leg and being the best player on the field, that, that, that that's ridiculous. But it's come out now that McNat, like we all, like I think the next season Brian Westbrook his contract is about to expire, so he won a new contract. But after the Super Bowl, T.O. won a new contract. But McNabb spoke up for Westbrook, but didn't speak up for T.O. because T.O. got a lot of the credit on why the Eagles ended up going to the, going to the Super Bowl and credited for being the best player on the floor. Oh yeah, that definitely was a huge factor. Like so, Donovan McNabb got booed when he got drafted. Remember that by a bunch of idiots who went up to watch the draft, a bunch of idiotic Eagles <laughs> fans. Should have never done that. But he never, ever let go of that. And he always held on to that. Like, this city booed me, and he never really, I don't feel like, was fully on board with the city of Philadelphia. And then to have T.O. come in and be celebrated as, like, a hero, I think that really ate at him. Like, he could not handle it. And I think that led to, like, that whole team was split in half over Donovan and T.O. after that Super Bowl season. And I don't think Donovan I don't think Donovan was ever the same after that. And like would you agree with that at this point? Do you think LeBron was like not worth all this? Yes. So like if you could go back to, to July, you would like not sign him if, if it was up to you. See, I I don't know because I'm a Laker fan and I've, and I've suffered for so long. I've suffered through the whole because my first my first thing I said to you when this old Anthony Davis thing ha- what happened it happened because this feels like deja vu because this feels like Chris Paul to L.A. Um, during a, during right after the lockout and the NBA uh, they they blocked that trade. That, that's what that, that's what this feels like to me. And I and you know how I feel about it. I blamed that like I blamed that on the breakdown of Kobe Bryant. 
because he would have had Chris Paul. He would have had a lot. His life would have been a whole lot easier. So I blame that. I blame the break. I blame a lot of the breakdown of Kobe Bryant on the NBA for for, for that. <laughs> but I do want. I do want the Lakers to succeed. It's just the. It's just the fact. Like who knows? Like those seventeen games made a huge difference because at the time the Lakers were struggling. They were they were at five hundred when that, when Anthony, that whole Anthony Davis came about. Now who who's to say if. The Lakers' record was flip-flop, as I mentioned earlier, that Anthony Davis doesn't request this trade right now, but it didn't happen that way. Right, and like here's the thing. Whether those games that LeBron missed, like we could talk about it all we want. Like LeBron missed these games, the team struggled, and like that led to this happening, and if that never happened, maybe we wouldn't be here. But like he did miss that time. They did struggle, and like now all this has happened. Yeah. And you can't – like you can't undo it. You can't like – you can't like put it back in the box. Like it's it's out of the box. This is the way it is now. And like I don't know. Like I even feel like Magic doesn't even know what he's doing anymore. I, I yeah. Be- <sighs> like him making those comments about Ben Simmons a couple weeks ago. That as soon funny. as I heard it, I was like, <laughs> I was like, didn't you your organization just like get legitimately punished for tampering with Paul George a couple years ago? But see, then the, see, there was the the controversy about LeBron tampering about Anthony Davis, and now it's like another thing. It's like you should know better by this point than to even step a toe in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then then um, they talked about because that story ended up being so much bigger than it ever should have been. But the Anthony because, Davis thing, no, the oh, the Ben Simmons, Simmons thing. Like yeah, the but, league is like we're going to investigate it. It was yeah, just like another big thing that's like. Everything is getting blown out of proportion in Los Angeles now. Yeah, because they got uh, they got fined for the Paul George, Giannis, and then when they investigated, investigated this Ben Simmons thing, they found out that Ben Simmons actually reached out to Magic himself, and and Magic said if the league clears it, we can do it. Yeah, and like to me, Magic should know better than to say anything at this <laughs> point. Yeah, but but, t- but I think he's like his brain is probably so fried by all this. Mm-hmm. I like I don't know. I, I feel like he's even flustered. Yeah, I, I think he is too because like like you said, you said he doesn't know what to do anymore. I can't really I can't really say that because everything he's done for the most part, I've agreed with. Now, the whole D'Angelo Russell Russell D'Angelo Russell trade, you know, he needed that change of scenery after the whole swaggy piece Snapchat thing. So he never recovered he never recovered from that in LA. So I'm fine with that. And also he got this that, that deal essentially got him Brooke Lopez and Kyle Kuzma at the same time. So I can't I can't disagree with that. He's done a great drafting with Josh Hart in the with the late with the later picks, the whole Lonzo thing, that's whatever at this point. But in the offseason stuff, but I did, I just think that the prep, the amount of pressure that was placed on him to land Anthony Davis in ten days, and the fact that he ended up having to offer the whole damn team, it makes him look bad because, at, especially with that forty-two point loss at Indiana, that makes him and LeBron look really, really bad. But mainly him because he's in charge of it and he's offering the entire team for, for one guy. Yeah, yeah. This whole thing has been bad. For Magic. And obviously we'll see if Anthony Davis ends up there this summer. Maybe none of this matters anymore, but like I think it does. Um, now as a Sixers fan, I have had a very rough time this season with, I think like last year the success they had brought a lot of 
fans in who haven't paid attention for the last five or ten years, who all of a sudden know everything, all of a sudden they want the coach <laughs> fired, they want the players traded, and it's like you have no idea what's happening here. And there was just this sense of like negativity around this team that was taking a lot of the joy out of watching them for me. Then they make the trade for for Jimmy Butler, which you already knew my stance on. I didn't I didn't think that they should have given up Covington and Dario for a guy who was 29, who they'd have to pay a ton of money to, who has injury history, who is an, a noted dickhead and doesn't work well with young players. Uh, so I was miserable about that. Then all this Markel Fultz nonsense. Like, I just couldn't even watch the games anymore. I was just too frustrated. Knowing, like, that the Colangelo's ruined so much of what Sam Hinkie built. And this trade deadline has overhauled the team to a degree where it's like, okay, things are different enough where I can start investing myself again. Like, Markel Fultz is gone. Like, I can finally let that go and move on from it. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, I look at Markel Fultz as like the kid in school who was always picking at people and then eventually (laughs) one day somebody snaps at him or somebody beats him up and then he whines and cries that he's getting bullied (laughs) because all the weirdo supporters of this kid that are like, oh, you you show him, Kel. You prove all your haters wrong, Kel. This dude didn't have haters. Everybody was coddling this kid. Everybody was cheering for this kid. All he had was people that watched him and said, this dude sucks. That's not (laughs) hating. That's watching and observing that this guy was not a real NBA basketball player. He forgot how to shoot. His mentality is that of like a third grader. Uh, He's still getting baby by his mom. His mom had like nanny cams in his house. Didn't um, didn't they say his mom requested the trade? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he took a shot at the Sixers coaching staff yesterday. And yeah, he said something like, oh, it'll be nice to be around coaches that'll push you and not tell you what you want to hear. It's like, dude, your coach here put you in the starting lineup of a team (laughs) that was expected to challenge for the Eastern Conference Championship over a guy who is arguably the best shooter in the league when you have done nothing to earn it. Like that's going to pay $17 million. Yes, that guy pushed you. (laughs) This coach pushed you. This guy put you in a rough position and like told you like, Let's see what you have. I can't stand everything. And I try not to be, like, mean to him because I know he is young. I know this has been rough for him. But, like, I got to the – and I never – like, I never tweeted negatively about him. I never said anything on here negative about him because I feel like I don't want to be unfair to a young kid. But at this point, it's like, dude, you have caused so much chaos, so much controversy, and literally contributed zero on the basketball court. Good riddance. I'm glad he's gone. Orlando have fun with all that the three to six weeks that he was supposed to be back two months ago like (laughs) and now I I believe I heard they don't expect him to play this year like okay your three to six week quote-unquote injury that you're going to sit out for another whole season for and then what's going to happen next year when you come back and you look exactly the same what is the excuse going to be next year you're running out of time to make excuses Um, I don't think the Sixers are going to make the NBA finals this year but I think they put themselves in a position where they have a better chance than they did. I think they've put themselves in a position where maybe they have a fallback for Jimmy Butler if that doesn't work out. And they got back some draft capital from the Markel Fultz trade. 
that will be helpful to them in filling out a roster in the next coming years. Uh, so as a Sixers fan, I was way more excited this time last year than I am this year. I still am bitter about Adam Silver forcing Jerry Colangelo on the Sixers and then Jerry Colangelo forcing his idiot son on the Sixers and then those two idiots just trading away guys for nothing and selling draft picks and just kind of holding pat with what they had. They literally added nothing to what Sam Hinkie brought here. Why they are good right now is because of what Sam Hinkie did. Um, and I've had a hard time like being fully invested after the whole burner scandal, the, the Markel Fultz stuff, the Jimmy Butler stuff. It's been tough. But what I will say is this. I think they have a better chance to succeed in the playoffs this year. And I think as long as they can avoid the Boston Celtics, I do think they have a chance to make it to a series against Golden State in the finals. But I think I think for me, I'm almost just waiting for the playoffs to see what happens before I can truly make an assessment of what is going on here. Like I'm just like I've taken a step back and it's gonna take something for me to, to like lean back in the way I was before. Um your view of the Sixers, are they better off right now than they were at the start of this season? Yes. And do you think that they are better off next year, or do you think there's a chance that everything they just acquired could be gone at the start of next season? Because Tobias is up, Jimmy is up, I believe like Mike Scott, his contract is up. Like I don't think they have anything going forward that they acquired. Well, um, well I know G- is Tobias a player option too? I think his is a player option. I think I think he's a, a, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Because I know Jimmy has Jimmy has the player option too. So uh, I think if they, they lose anybody, it will be Jimmy. But I can see it depend on how they finish. I can see Tobias actually resign because this is actually, this is actually the first time he's been a part of a winning a winning team, except um, with the Clippers during earlier this season. And um, Boban. Mike Scott, you could say those are those are replaceable guys. They are replaceable. I mean, Tobias, to me, like, they have to keep Tobias. I don't mm-hmm. want Jimmy Butler back. Mm-hmm. I think unless he wants to come back for, like, three years and, like, $90 million or something like that, I do not want 33-year-old Jimmy Butler on this team. I do not <laughs> want 34-year-old Jimmy Butler on this team making $40 million. And here's the thing that I think people overlook. Everyone has become so... Golden State has made it so everybody feels like you need three stars. You need four stars. Just having stars, like obviously part of having a star player is you have a star player and like those guys are the best players. But what the true selling point of having stars is because of the salary cap, because of the max contract, if you look at every guy gives you a certain level of on-court value and you could put a dollar amount on that because LeBron James can only be paid up to $38 million this year. He's actually worth more than that because he's better than that contract slot. So what you're ultimately getting when you have top level stars is you have guys who are, even though you're paying them the maximum salary, you're getting them at a discount based on their production. Like, what's better, LeBron James at $38 million or, like, I'm trying to think of a, a good – or, like, Andrew Wiggins at $25 million. Like, the production you're getting out of LeBron at $38 million is light years better than the production you're getting out of 
Andrew Wiggins at 25 or 27. Yep. So, like, that's part of the value of a star is you're underpaying for what they contribute. But what the Sixers have, like Jimmy Butler at $38 million, that's not a discount. That's mm-hmm. like, at best, he's getting paid, like, what he's worth. So you're not making out on that deal. Like, he's far less valuable than LeBron James at the same salary. And Tobias Harris, I look at the same way. If they give him $30 million, He's not a guy that you're getting that is better than that salary. He's a guy that maybe is exactly what that salary is worth. So well, I can't. Sixers, I can't wait for the Knicks to give Jimmy Butler a max. <laughs> oh, a I, would, max. <laughs> I would be so happy about that if they signed him and he didn't come back here. But yeah, like that's part of what you want. Like part of why Golden State was so good was because Steph signed that like lower salary deal because he had those ankle injuries. And he wasn't getting paid as much as he should have been. So he was one of the top three players in the league getting paid like maybe the 25th or 30th best player in the league. Yeah, but that was before he became the big star that he was now. Because that was after his rookie deal. Or the last year of his rookie deal. He wasn't Steph. He he was still Steph and he wasn't Steph yet. Right. Like he had the injuries. He was not a sure thing. So they got him on a very team-friendly deal. And then he becomes Steph. Like Embiid has. But see, Embiid is is paid like the max you can for this for this second deal. Steph was at, like a discount, so that's what I was kind of hoping. Like we went through these years of injuries with Embiid. Maybe the plus side of this will be he's getting paid less for a few years, and it allows them to build. But he's getting twenty five or twenty seven million now, whereas Steph was getting paid like in the teens, and it allowed them to pay more around him. Now that Steph is getting paid a super max. Obviously, that's harder. They just got lucky that KD became available when the salary cap jumped and they had all that money to spend. Like, we'll never see that happen again. So yeah, the Sixers are in danger of paying a bunch of max salaries for guys who are not outplaying the max salary. They're going to be guys who are just equally valuable or less valuable than the max salary. That's my concern. Um, yeah, Jimmy Butler, to me, is not a guy you want to be spending that much money on. Because um, Draymond's not a free agent this year, right? Or is it next year? It's either this year or next year. He's going to be the first one to go, I think. Yeah, yeah, because because they can't keep all of them, or something along those lines. But I like Katie. They're saying Katie's going to the Knicks, but I'll believe it when I see it. Because this is how I see the Knicks going. The Knicks are the Knicks are going to overpay for Jimmy Butler, and they're going to they'll try to overpay for Kyrie. But it's hard to it's hard to guess on Kyrie because of the injuries. This will be like part two of the uh mellow amari mix not necessarily <laughs> because because when amari first got there the knicks they were around 500 but that was like that got the, the city happy at the time because they were they were terrible for years so that was like the first time they actually got like a real star but i'm kind of comparing this like the whole uh you go for bartley but you get larry johnson <laughs> <laughs> I look at the, the reason I compare this to Melo and Amari. Everybody was excited. Everybody thought like, oh, this is this team's going to be something. And they never were. <coughs> and I think people will be excited for Kyrie and Jimmy Butler. And I don't think that is all that successful of a team either. Because I, I, think, I think Kyrie is a great scorer. But if he's your best player and you don't, you don't have a ton of talent around him, I don't think you're going to be that good. Yeah, because yeah. I would prefer next. I would prefer next to get Kemba Walker over Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a debate. I, I just think 
the Sixers are in danger of overpaying a bunch of guys who are never going to be good enough to really win a championship. And I yeah, hope that's and, not the case. Yeah, at the same time, that whole you got to have four All Stars thing. Draymond Green is really overpaid. You don't have like it's not. Is it hard to find a player like Draymond? Yes, but it's not that hard to find a lot of things that he actually does. Well, he he was like an elite, like arguably the best defensive player in the league the last four years. And yeah. I think the benefit with him is he's a guy who is contributing a lot to your team without needing to score. Yeah. So if you have three guys around him that need to score, he's happy to do all the dirty work and be an all-star based on his defense and playmaking and whatever else. And you can let these other guys thrive. The Sixers are in a position where like all these guys need the ball. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of a different thing. And like Embiid especially, he needs the ball on the block. Or Jimmy like wants the ball in his hands where he can create or run pick and roll. Tobias, I think, fits a little better because he can be a spot-up shooter and he doesn't need to be dominating the ball. He can thrive without it. Um, Yeah, I just worry that... So my hope is if they let Butler go, because that was always the thing. If they're paying Butler $38 million, they don't have any money left. Well, now they got rid of Fultz. If they let Butler go and they pay Tobias $30 million, that leaves them with more cap space to sign another rotation player or two to add on. That's what I hope happens. I guess, like, we'll see, like with anything. Um, but enough about the Sixers, because they mostly have been depressing to me for most of this season. <laughs> We're heading well, into All-Star Weekend. Um, we don't have to take a lot of time with this. Uh, Rising Stars game, who do you see winning, USA or the world team? Uh, USA. I'm going to go with the world team because the world team has Ben and Luca. And oh, I, I forgot Ben Simmons is Canadian. Yeah, and the Australian. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they are. He's not Canadian. No, no, he's from Australia. Oh, I thought it was Canada. Andrew Wiggins is from Canada. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here's the U.S. team: Jared Allen, who I like. Uh. Marvin Bagley, Lonzo, who's injured, John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevin Knox, Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Oh, the world. <laughs> I'll take the, the, world I'll the world has OG Ananobi, Aiton, uh, Bogdanovich, Luka, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Rodion's Karuks, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, Lowry Markinen, Josh Akogi. Uh, Chetty Osman and Ben Simmons. I think the yeah, world team the world. has way too much talent. Yeah, the, yeah, the world. <laughs> I think this is going to be like a twenty-five point blowout. <laughs> the world, yeah. Um, although I can't, I don't foresee me watching this game, but I figured we'd at least make a prediction on it. Three-point shootout. Um, we have Devin Booker, the defending champ. We have the Curry brothers, Seth and Steph. We have Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk in, I guess, his farewell tour, and Kemba Walker. Who, to you, is winning that three-point shootout? Uh, was it, it was Devin and Clay left in the finals last year, right? Oh, you don't remember. I believe it was, yeah. I thought Clay was in it, but he, he wasn't on the list that I looked up this morning. He's not okay. Well, in that case, I'll go with I'll go with uh, Devin Booker to repeat. 
Um, I was tempted to do that, but I don't want to do the. Uh, I don't want to both pick the same guy. I think that takes some fun out of it. I am going to go with a shocker. I'm going to take Buddy Heald. Huh. He is a guy who has really turned around his career this year. He's a guy who was a lights-out shooter in college. He has been a really good shooter this year. If I if I didn't go with Buddy Heald, I think my dark horse is going to be Joe Harris. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be different and go with Buddy Heald. Um, although, honestly, I, I do find it hard to believe that anyone would ever beat Steph, but Buddy Heald is going to be my choice with the, the dark horse of Joe Harris. Uh, the dunk contest. When I looked this morning, there were four competitors in it. We have Miles Bridges. We have John Collins. We have Hamadou Diallo. And Dennis Smith Jr., who I believe was the runner-up last year to Donovan Mitchell. Um, Or he was at least in it last year. I thought he was the runner-up. Do any of these guys excite you? Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. does. Is he your choice to win? Uh, yeah. I think he's obviously got a chance. This dude is like a nuclear athlete and leaper and a really good dunker. And I know the judges typically prefer the smaller guys because their dunks look more impressive. I'm going to go with the rookie, Miles Bridges. He is a very explosive athlete and a very powerful athlete. And I think you'll get a combination of like leaping and like impact of dunks with Miles Bridges. That now, I don't know. I mean, all four of these guys obviously have a chance. I just think I see Miles Bridges rising to the occasion in the dunk contest. Um, but I do think this is going to be another year where we look at the dunk contest and say, like, ah, it wasn't that great. I don't know if you agree with that, but I just feel like there's no star power at all in this dunk contest. No, I, no, I, I can't. I catch the highlights on ESPN. I can't. I can't sit. I can't sit through their uh, their reattempts anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's brutal to watch. Yeah, like I remember uh, in '04 when Birdman did it, and at a certain point, I was like, okay, man, go to hell home. It's, it's done. <laughs> um, and then I guess the last thing for All Star Weekend, we have we have Team LeBron against Team Giannis. Who who wins the game and who wins All Star Game MVP? Team Giannis, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of LeBron. Team Giannis. <laughs> You've team had Giannis enough LeBron. Yes, I've, I've had enough LeBron. Unless they make the playoffs, I'm done with LeBron. Um, so I'll go with Team Giannis. And which team is Kemba on? I don't know. Let me look that up. It's probably something I should have had pulled up to begin with. Uh, let's see. 2019 NBA All-Stars. So does that mean you are going with Kemba Walker as All Star Game MVP? Yeah, like a lot of times they try to get they try to get the uh, the home team the the, the hometown guy to mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, Kemba's on Team Giannis, so I'll go with Kemba. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Team Giannis as well even though I think Team LeBron has more talent. Um, and I'm going to go with Embiid. 
<laughs> I think if if Embiid's team had won last year, I think he would have been in the conversation for All-Star Game MVP. And I think he's just he's a guy that can be so impactful. And I think he obviously has such a big personality and is such a a high entertainment value player. I think he's going to be in the mix again, so I'm going to go with Embiid. Um, any final thoughts that you have before we close this out? <sighs> the Lakers will make only make the playoffs because, because the Clippers allowed them to. Yeah. They traded they, they to Tobias Harris, so that's like, okay, I don't give a damn about this season, so they kind of threw the towel in, but they're still winning, and because the Kings are too young. Uh, agreed. Yeah, if they, if they get in, it's only because they are backing in, and other teams like cleared a path for them to get in. Yeah, the Clippers did that. Uh, my final thought, something that I forgot about, was another reason why I think that Sixers Clippers trade was the most impactful. I mentioned the Clippers opening up a spot for star players to go. Um, I mentioned them getting draft picks. Also, them basically taking themselves out of the running for the playoffs ensures that Boston does not get their first-round pick this year. Boston had their pick if it wasn't in the lottery, so now they're going to end up in the lottery. It's one less draft pick that Boston is not going to have to offer in an Anthony Davis trade and gives the Clippers an extra asset they probably didn't think they were going to have. So I think that's like another little piece to that trade, that it hurts Boston and helps L.A. a little more. Um, and I do believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is still the Golden State Warriors championship to win, but I do believe this is going to be the last one they get. And I think we will see a very different landscape in the NBA in the 2019-20 season. Um, Alo, as always, very fun to sit down and talk some hoops with you. I wish you the best in... (laughs) <laughs> the Lakers' future endeavors. I know it's going to probably be a frustrating last couple months of this season, uh, and I, I hope it. Uh, I hope you survive it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, another thing is, as far as the buyout market, the Lakers aren't getting any help either because Cantor chose to go to Portland, and Markeith Morris just ended up going to OKC. So that, he, so that takes us out of a lot of the buyout market, and then we all know that we all know that extra spot is probably for Melo. Oh God! I know. I'm not happy about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the Sixers have struck out on the buyout market too. They could use Jeremy Lin. They could use Wes Wes Matthews. Didn't happen. They they need like one more guard, and unfortunately, I don't see a way that they get it. Um, so that will leave me to my final thought. Then I don't need to see Carmelo Anthony on an NBA court ever again. And and I don't think anybody really does. <laughs> no, no, because I, I told you before, I compare him to this generation's Allen Iverson. Well, to last generation's Allen Iverson. Like the game changed, the, the game changed with under, underneath them, and it came to a certain point where his skill set and the way he played didn't really translate to what the game has become. And Melo is that. <laughs> yeah, and he's best suited to a very specific role, and he thinks he's too good to fill that role, just like Iverson did. So yeah. Lakers, don't make me have to watch Carmelo Anthony wear an NBA uniform again. 
Yeah, it's like it's like when Al Iverson went to the Grizzlies. I was like, what the hell they got him for? Then he then he couldn't handle come off the bench. He got emotional and so then he had to release him and stuff. I was like, God, get the hell out of here. Grizzlies, he was with the Pistons, the Grizzlies, and then back to the Sixers for a very underwhelming like eighteen or twenty games or whatever it was. Yeah. Where I I remember everybody acting like, Oh, AI's back and me watching him being like, This is not AI. No, it's not. This is Allen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is Allen. <laughs> Definitely. Um, well, Alo, enjoy All-Star Weekend, whatever you watch out of it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season. I guess the next time we do this will probably be sometime towards the end of the regular season. Um, so I look forward to it. I look forward to this next month and a half as we gear up for the playoffs. Best of luck to your Lakers, obviously best of luck to my Sixers, and best of luck to the Orlando Magic dealing with (laughs) the Markel Fultz situation. Um, So that has been the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast for Stephen Alo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you uh, sometime in the near future. Yes. Yes.